This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malcolm LaBelle of the Green Generation Company joining me as usual. You can find more information at www.greengencompany.com. Melka, how are you today? Great, team. I'm doing well. How are you? I am excellent. Uh, hoping some of that sunshine from Calgary is heading uh, north our way a little bit uh, because um, I, I, as, as much as I'm still uh, physical distancing, I'm excited to uh, get out in the sun a lot more these days. Definitely needs some sunshine. Vitamin D is good for everyone. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the first thing we're going to chat about uh, is hemp, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of hemp, but uh, tell me why, uh, in your opinion, the commoditization of hemp could be the beginning of the end of the industry. Yeah, so this is, um, I mean, commoditization in general, I'm heavily against, um, <laughs> and I've talked about that at length before. But particularly in this space for Canada, and, and here's why. So, I mean, hemp um, has so many uses. Uh, we have uh, there is a lot of evidence that there's like fifty thousand different things that hemp can be made into, including um, uh, you know pr- products for consumption, obviously uh, for CBD and and um, seeds and, and so many other things. The thing about hemp is because it can be made into it can be grown and then the many different uses of it that are that are available um, in turning it into a commodity. Essentially, it's being traded like a stock or like on on a, on a price value, a price and just like a couple criteria. And and I I learned about this recently. Um, and the thing is, is the, the commodity in the brokering space. You know, that's been around for millennia. Like I think. It dates back to the you know the old markets in Rome, and you know trading stuff and for goods for uh, for money and for value is has been around as long as, as as commerce has been around. But the problem with this right now that I see is that hemp is grown in Canada under extremely harsh conditions. It's not a crop that is easy to grow, as is many crops in Canada. Agriculture in general is very very hard to do in Canada. We have such major um, pro, you know, extremes to our weather and our temperature and, and everything. And with hemp becoming more prevalent as a, a base uh, good or a base stock for so many different things, what's happening, what, I, I'm, what I'm understanding from the exposure that I've had to this is by resorting it to a commodity that there's brokers who make the whole process very opaque, um, and really um, just want to know the price and, you know, the quality, the, 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 the few metrics of quality that they're looking for. You're essentially cutting out the farmers and to learn what are the valuable parts of their, of their process and of their crop that they can, they can benefit from to make more of what people really want. Um, and that's the harm here is because when you have all these middle people that are just taking the product and, you know, taking it to someone else or brokering these deals, there's no conversation between the end buyer, which is usually the processor, which is the people that are looking for that high quality input uh, that they're then turning into finished goods. The conversation from the processors and the people that are originally growing the plants and the, and the, and the farmers 
isn't really being had. And, and that there, we're at a, such an early stage in this legal uh, side and legal, legal framework. And CBD uh, as, a, as a product for use is so um, just at the beginning that we have a chance to restart this, this and re-educate it and educate people. Uh, particularly farmers, and and also on the masses, that the commoditization of the process essentially takes out the ability to do that, and that's why I think it's it's so detrimental, particularly in Canada. Well, it's it's so silly, even that hemp uh, is lumped in with legalization um, in in the first place, and um, it's because you know if you if you know anything about it, uh, you you know you're not going to take a hemp plant out of the ground and and go get any psychoactive effects from it so in that sense it's silly uh it's also ridiculous that this is a, a plant that is carbon negative i mean when you make it, it can be make yeah. hempcrete you can build a house out of hempcrete it's it's better than concrete it it sucks in carbon um so there, there's yeah. so much more to this plant than than people realize what is the solution in in your opinion then so my solution is cut out the middlemen. I mean, the middlemen are only in it for themselves to make money. That's the only reason why they're in the game. And they're very transparent about that. They're like, let's make some money. Let's get, you know, chomping at the bit. Sure. But honestly, the, the, the end, the, the people that are making the processors, they're looking to make a better product and they want to be directly in contact with the farmers. And their concepts, the, the concepts that they've heard of have, having an open and transparent dialogue, whether it be on like sort of a central platform, like a hemp farmer, hemp producer type, um, you know, chat or groups or what a message board. I don't even know what the format looks like, but even just putting the, the hemp uh, uh, producers uh, in touch with directly with the people that are going to be, you know, um, cultivate or processing their product, even just a conversation of here, this is what we're looking for, for the ideal outcome. And that benefits the farmers because then they'll, they can control largely the types of seeds. First of all, there's a list now, a regulate a list out of Health Canada of what's a regulated hemp cultivar or strain. So when you have those people in contact with each other, um, you can you can just there's more information that can be shared from both sides. And like any other process, you know, data in, data out, inputs in, inputs out. The better quality information you have about those inputs for those outputs the better overall is there's more of it and there's more better quality overall. So that's really what I think it can happen is put them directly in contact with each other. Um, and yeah, and work that um, is, as an education and a value chain that, that doesn't need a bunch of people in the middle. Well, it certainly comes back to something we talked about last week, education and, and uh, you know, educating the people that are involved in this. And, and that comes a lot of it uh, from the, the farming community. And, and hemp is something we're going to stick with as we move to change makers, uh, because hemp and uh, CBD is being made uh, accessible to all uh, because of a company called Hemp Santa. Tell us about them. Yeah, so Hemp Santa just got their uh, processor license from Health Canada to be a CBD uh, extractor and processor. And they built or they're in the process of uh, growing, actually scaling up a facility in, uh, I believe it's in Toronto, ARGTA area. And I got a chance to speak with their uh, leadership team and particularly they call him the Elon Musk of the hemp <laughs> world, Dr. Uh, Wu Kim. 
Um, and he is all about the education part. Like he just wants to get the concept and the knowledge of CBD as um, uh, uh, like from a, from a hemp, uh, full spectrum hemp extract uh, being CBD in the hands of people everywhere because he believes and through his own research. So he's a, he's a clinical doctor and researcher and he has seen firsthand the effects of CBD in literally a healing uh, healing you know, therapeutic property of, of the plant that has reversed the, the death uh, that people have been utterly faced with. So he gave me so many examples where he has seen evidence of um, CBD and cannabis use in people that had like very late stages of pancreatic cancer, breast cancer, um, lymphoma, like all of these really serious things that, you know, are largely have to go through severe chemo and radiation therapy and all these other things, or is essentially just, a, you know, as a late stage, it could be there's no cure and you just sort of wait the clock out. He has seen people change their lives and are still doing okay, quite well, actually, by using CBD. So he's on this crusade with his company to get CBD into the hands um, of everyone, largely because we're learning about its um, calming and balancing effects on the body. And and that's, um, it doesn't really have a negative. It doesn't have a downside. You know, there doesn't seem to be an overdose ability um, in and CBD, that's, although that's still under research. Um, but there's massive markets that understand the holistic and the balanced part of, of health, largely in Asian cultures, Korea and Europe, where holistic practices um, have, are still very prevalent, more so than our Western practices of pharmaceutical medicine, where you take a pill and you're better. Um, so he sees the value in this, and his company, Hemsana, has very high standards for making their um, their processes, and they have a very they want to be in touch with their farmers because they feel that if they have an opportunity to educate the farmers and give them tools, tools for monitoring their crops, and and just you know looking at it from a bit more uh, detailed way, um, then then there can be more for everybody and at a lower price so that more people can get their hands on it. Uh, that's uh, such an important uh, uh, factor is is the price as well. Is uh, You know, there are some people that, um, you know, can't afford it. Uh, you know, especially in the beginning, CBD was, was fairly pricey. Well, hempsana.com, www.hempsana.com is where you can find out more information. And and for me, Melka, CBD is just part of my like daily vitamin routine. I almost think of it as just a, a, another vitamin that I take. I, you know, I have my regular vitamins that I take. I have, you know, some St. John's ward and some other things that I take for my mental health. And, you know, I take CBD uh, in a spray format right along with it. It's part of my daily routine. And, and that's how I kind of explain it to people is you know think of this as another part of your supplements your vitamin supplements to, to add into your routine yeah and that's exactly where hemp is going with this and there's, there's lots of companies that are working on it uh and really trying to lobby some of the major uh different governments and jurisdictions around the world to make it a nutraceutical i mean even in yes. canada like if you go on the natural food association um natural food health food products Association of Canada, they have a, um, a lobby uh, email already pre-done to make CBD not under the Cannabis Act, but to go under the Natural Food uh, Act, Natural Food and Health Products Act, because under the Natural Health Products Act, I mean, there's lots of products that fall into that zone, right? You mentioned yeah. a few that you take. The entire natural health wellness industry is well-governed 
you know, with with things where they're they're making sure that there's quality controls in place. You can't have heavy metals. There's testing. Um, and then claims about them are all sort of anecdotal, but they're allowed to be there. Like you can say this, this helps some people or right. this, you know, it helps them. There has been seen evidence that this shows improvement, but you don't have to make claims that are like, you know, guaranteed or percentage of uh, certainty that are needed on the medicinal side. And that would be perfect for CBD and for cannabis. If they can, if they can adopt some of that, structure and turn the product instead of the, you know, cannabis as a medicine or adult use recreation, where I've already talked about that on several episodes, turn it into just a nutraceutical, um, then it can be governed in such a way that wouldn't place these owner's restrictions on the people that are selling it, on the packaging, on the branding. It has so much room to grow um, and, and educate at the same time with wellness practitioners being part of the conversation. Um, and, and just like you would go into a store where you buy your vitamins, you can talk to the person that works there to find out, you know, what would they recommend for these kinds of things? Well, you can't do that for cannabis, but you can if it wasn't a, a nutraceutical. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer uh, to me. So that's hempsana.com, uh, hemp, uh, S-A-N-A, dot com. Let's move on to what it means to be green. And, um, you know, with uh, 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 t- chatting about a fresh and green, uh, the start of something new, it's, it seems kind of that's what we're in right now. Yeah, it's funny how it takes sort of a, you know, pandemic crisis for people to really take, the blinders off and think maybe we should try looking at this differently. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I talk about um, on my uh, on my blog and things like that are like, you know, and I actually, I mean, in my MBA, we had a whole program around this about um, corporate social impact. So I got a, a, a certification, a specialization in my MBA in corporate social impact. And what that is, is what, I, is what I'm really seeing now as being that fresh new look is, you know, prior to COVID and in the last few years, uh, people really and have always been in it for the money. It's always been about the money. How can we make more profits and better profits and make more the shareholders more money, which is, you know, sort of really counterintuitive. But anyways, the point of this is because we have this opportunity to look at things in a new way, we can sort of strip back and think, well, maybe for the money or for the benefit of making more money isn't really the better way. And there's lots of examples of this. But what we're hearing now is that a lot more, uh, you know, consumers and people that are stakeholders in products, whether it be because they're grown or made near them or because they actually buy and use them, they're looking for a real um, and tangible impact so that those companies or those products are making for the benefit of their environment or for the people or something. And that's what corporate social impact is all about. And that's adding an extra lens of evaluation to, is this company really good? Just because they make money doesn't necessarily mean that they're really good. And I think that's really brought to light in this time. You know, we look at Amazon having the biggest capitalization, Jeff Bezos being the biggest billionaire in the world. But really, is what the, are, are, is Amazon so good? You know, like it, it just it gives you a chance to pause and ask those questions. And by adding the lens of, are they doing anything for the environment, as in like the actual, you know, the air we breathe and the water we drink, to the social and 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 uh, societal things that are around them? You know, I think that there has been a much bigger. Um, 
lens on this now that we are in this situation. And this is what green is. It's get a, giving it a fresh new look, you know, make it look, look at it differently. And maybe you'll see that maybe it isn't all about the money. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I, th- I, th- I think it is such a, um, pure way uh, to almost look at it. There is a sense of, um, you know, uh, renew, reborn. And, um, you know, I, I love the, the blue sky approach that you talk about. Yeah. So this is something, I mean, this is, comes from idea and thinking and, and people that sort of spend their time thinking about new ideas, um, I think is where the firm came from. I'm not exactly sure, but it's all about just start with a blank piece of paper and you're, put your goal at the top. So this can apply in any scenario, whether it be in business, whether it be about yourself, whether it be about what am I going to do today? Um, what do you want to accomplish? And obviously, the bigger, the hairier, the more audacious the goal is, um, the more time you'll spend thinking about it. But start with a clean, empty spreadsheet, paper, whatever, whatever it is. Start with the goal at the top and then work backwards wearing the bottom of the page is today or where the current situation and sort of, you can it's sort of a mental exercise on how do we get to, from where we want, where we want to go from where we are right now and take it one step at a time and sort of fill in the gaps. There is no perfect science to this. It's literally just a way of, I got to say vision boarding and, and, but almost it's a way that you plant that vision, that goal, because you know, you want that, but then how are you going to do that? Um, and like I said, start with something, a blank piece of paper and, and blue sky your way to, to that goal. I love dreaming big. My dad and I on every, uh, hockey road trip when I was a kid would play the lottery game. What would you do if you won your lottery? And it just, I, I love dreaming big, whether it's something like that or with your goals and, uh, kind of, a, uh, I, I love the blue sky approach. So this has been a lot of fun, Malka. You can find more information at greengencompany.com. You can find them on Twitter at greengenco1. Malka, thanks as always. I look forward to our chat next week. Thanks, Dean. Have a great week.